You are listening to episode 33 of the R Podcast. everyone tuning in around the world. Thank you so much for listening to episode 33 of the Art Podcast. I am your host, Eric Nance, and this will be our second installment of my takeaways and other insights that I've gained from the recent Art Studio Conference that took place uh, at the end of January. I'm happy to report that by now, as I record this, all of the recordings from each of the talks have been posted. So that's been a lot of fun to start catching up on the talks that I wasn't able to attend and even the ones I did attend and just to hear the message one more time. It's been really cool to see that. And also, it looks like most of the presenters have also shared their slides or any other materials that have been out there. I first want to lead off with my um, participation in the conference and in particular um, being a part of the poster session. So for this um, session, I was very fortunate that I was able to have accepted my idea of what I called the title initially was Highlights of the Shiny Community. And I kind of pivoted from that a little bit after some great advice from my uh, very esteemed uh, colleague, uh, Curtis Kephart from our studio community. He was very helpful in helping me uh, shape the message of what I wanted to talk about. So Curtis, if you're listening, thanks so much for all of your input on this. So my poster ended up um, pivoting a little bit to being called Reaping the Benefits of the Shining Community and How You Can Help. So first, uh, the preparation for the poster. Um, there's always a fun dev story of all of these, and this is no different. Well, it's been quite a few years since I did a poster. Um, maybe one of the first one or two years into my career in industry, and before that, maybe once in my PhD program. And guess what? Back then, like I'm sure a lot of students at the time, at that time, of course, knowing that I'm not a spring chicken anymore, so to speak, um, I was using LaTeX combined with the Beamer package to kind of make a fancy poster out of it. I honestly don't remember all the other dependencies, but it was it was a LaTeX thing through and through. So that was always kind of an archaic exercise. Well, this is 2020, right? And if I'm going to talk about Shiny in a poster session, no matter poster session or not, by golly, I'm going to make a Shiny app out of it. <laughs> and I definitely uh, went to town on this a little bit. I used an excellent package from John Cohn uh, from the, the R Interface Project. He calls it a full page. And for those that don't know, full page is a nice kind of web framework to give you what looks like a set of slides that you can use, but it's actually more of an HTML template where you can navigate through different categories and kind of drill both left and right, so to speak, but also up and down to go into different areas. So it was 
something new. You know, I wanted to learn something new along the way. So as I was uh, brainstorming kind of my outline and the messages I wanted to get across, and I started putting this together, and, you know, it's just like any Shiny app, really. You have a bunch of UI elements, and there's a little bit of server-side stuff here and there, but it was mostly a, a UI-driven effort. And so, yeah, I was uh, going down to the wire a little bit, making tweaks and kind of uh, massaging the message of my of my takeaways. So I probably could have finished that sooner than I did, but I got it done on the last day beforehand. So note the, note the future uh, presenters out there. Definitely try to get your stuff done beforehand. <laughs> and I, I got close, but then it was just, I pivoted my mind on how to narrate certain things. So anyway, r- enough rambling about that piece. So the poster session arrives. This is um, on the eve of the actual conference. So after the workshops are completed, which will get to in a little bit and so i get there i'm all ready to get connected and there is one small problem they had kind of underestimated the number of posters uh presenters because they were about three or four monitors short (laughs) so me and a few other uh colleagues in the same boat that weren't able to get there until about a few minutes beforehand because i was pulling like triple duty at this conference of also being and our studio community kind of ambassador as part of my sustainer effort. And so we had just come from a great little session led by Hadley Wickham himself on what he was hoping to get out of the our studio community booth and what we wanted to help, you know, help with the atmosphere, help with welcoming users with their questions and pointing them to the right resources. So anyway, I'm kind of on standby for a little bit and some of my uh my uh, friends that have seen me in previous conferences um, were able to come find me and wanted to see what was going on. So at the beginning, I had to use my uh, trusty little ThinkPad laptop to show the contents of the poster. But eventually they got the monitor hooked up and then I was off and running. And wow, that was uh, quite an experience. Um, it was kind of draining, actually, but in a good way, because a lot of people wanted to hear the message. So so I've been, I didn't want to beat around the bush too much longer. What is my message on this? Well, you can view the poster itself via, of course, the Shiny app that I'll have linked in the show notes. But my, my key message is that we are seeing just an explosion of growth in the sets of packages that are either using Shiny in an applied way or extending Shiny capabilities. And many of these are coming from outside of our studio. And so we have what's truly a community being built around Shiny itself. And you can also see this if you go to the RStudio community portal. Um, the Shiny tag is, or the Shiny category, is one of the most popular and uh, most posted areas. So it's definitely gained a lot of traction. And so what I wanted to show was that some of the awesome sets of packages or workflows that I discovered through both my searching as well as being able to connect to the various authors on the Shiny Developer Series to make sure others that were interested in in extending their Shiny skills knew about these great efforts. So some of them you've heard me talk about before, either here on this podcast or in the Dev Series itself, such as, of course, the Golem package made by Colin Fay and the team at ThinkR, I am still very much a a big fan of that effort. I use it now in all my Shiny apps. No matter big or small, 
it's golemized from the ground up. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe get a t-shirt out of that someday. Uh, hint, hint. So that's been one of the things I wanted to highlight. And then also there was a unique opportunity to announce a great effort that's been carried out by some of my colleagues in life sciences at, at a different uh, company. One of, one of the colleagues I actually worked with on the same team um, for quite a few years before he had he moved on. But it's a great package called Tidy Modules. And what this is doing is it's using R6, which is, of course, the object-oriented structure that Shiny itself uses, and, and a lot of the Shiny-related packages from our studio are using this. And it want, lets you kind of use R6 to give you a new approach to create modules. And those that know me know that I've been a big fan of modules, acknowledging that there are some kind of painful things you have to get get through first before you can really, you know, master it or use it effectively. And that was, of course, one of my talk my talk at the previous year's R Studio conference was centered around kind of effective use of those. Well, this is turning my ideas on their heads, so to speak, and that. There are a lot of slick things you can do with connecting the modules in a seam, more seamless way, um, dynamically calling them, nesting them, and really taking a more structured approach at how you develop these. And so it was literally open sourced, maybe the day of my poster. Now, of course, I did have talks with uh, my colleagues, uh, Shao and Mustafa um, that, that have developed the package. So we were trying to use this as kind of like our the big unveiling of Tidy Modules. And I think it went well. Um, Shao even went above and beyond and had little uh, cheat sheets or handouts ready to go to the people watching. So it was kind of cool to see, um, to get the word out. Um, so the, we'll have a link to Tidy Modules on the show notes if you want to learn more. And I'm actually starting to use it in a real project. So I'll be hopefully quite active and, you know, sharing ideas and who knows future development. Who knows? Um, but these are things that, again, are not coming from our studio that are really advancing the field of shiny development, shiny, you know, UI work and things like that. So that's more on the, the workflow and architecture side of things. But there's more than that. There's also kind of the UI side of it. So I had mentioned the great packages coming from David Grangin's R Interface project, which um, if you haven't heard about that before, we did a great uh, Shiny Developer Series episode about that, episode four to be exact. And I use these packages every day in my apps. So these are all things that have enhanced my workflow, enhanced what I present to customers. And what I want is to be able to share these ideas and let others discover these ideas that maybe are either new to Shiny or they've been doing Shiny, but maybe they've been doing like the what, what you might call the built-in version of Shiny and not knowing where to branch out for future, you know, future workflows. So here's kind of where I get to my my ask and my ambitious effort that I want to want to undertake very soon. So we've seen some attempts in the community around curating Shiny resources, one of which was a page called Awesome R Shiny, which basically is a markdown document that has various categories of different um, either webinars, training materials, um, 
you know, hosting resources, tutorials. Um, they were even kind enough to link some of my previous R podcast episodes about it, which was very nice. Um, and highlighting some of the developers behind the scenes. And that's certainly a good start. Like it's, it's a very comprehensive resource. And my only kind of con about it is that it's a static-like document, right? You just see maybe a, a link and maybe a little bit of description around what that is. With Shiny, I'm kind of, I've been spoiled in the sense that it really immerses you into the either the analysis or the visualization that you want to host the people. So seeing something in a static form, I feel like is in the Shiny space, some of them we might be able to do better with. And then the other um, effort I highlighted was there was a, um, a Shiny Apps gallery, and this is independent of the one by our studio. This is um, kind of showing Shiny Apps out in the wild, so to speak. And it looked like it was a good start, but it has been updated since 2015, I believe. And it seems to be still available but there isn't much context behind what they're sharing. It's like a screenshot, maybe a little link to the author, and maybe the details are populated, maybe not. But again, it's getting to the right idea of like being more interactive, but I think it still leaves a little bit to be desired. And again, I'm not saying this to you know, you know, deter any of the, the great work that's being done by these. I really applaud what they've been doing. But I've been inspired by something that I have used in the past and I've been using more so recently, something called the HTML Widgets Gallery, which if you haven't seen that before, it's, it is what it says. It's like a, a gallery that can be filtered and searched on of all the different packages that have been created using the HTML Widgets framework. And that has wrapped so many helpful widgets that I've used in my shiny apps and frankly even in our markdown documents. Some of the ones you probably are aware of if you've been in this space are things like DT, Leaflet, Plotly. Those are kind of my big three that I use almost in every single app. And there are lots of other ones that address different use cases. But what I love about that gallery is I alluded to a little bit that has great filters where you can filter and sort based on like the number of stars on GitHub. You can search for keywords, filter by author, filter by tags, filter whether it's only on CRAN or not. But the idea is that you you get to have that nice searchable interface and the links associated with each widget are very helpful. It gives you the author, the JavaScript libraries that it wraps, if it does wrap a different one, and of course links directly to the repository of these. So I feel like this, combined with those previous efforts of sharing shiny content, are all there. There's there could be more. There, I feel like it's it's those are the building blocks to something really big. And so my big ask is, what if we take ideas from all three of these and make what's called a shiny verse? Imagine, you know, of course I'm ripping that off of Tidyverse, but I think the idea kind of speaks to it being a curated source of either apps, packages, resources that are built entirely by the Shiny community and it's for everyone in the Shiny community. Um, I think it's, it's the time is now, now that we have such great ideas and packages available, 
what if we have kind of a great resource to find these in an easier way, link to different resources associated with these, and even if I have the fortune of showcasing the developers behind these great resources, we can directly link to their explanations on how things work, whether it's from a Shiny Developer Series episode or something else. So I think this is something I want to start, but I know I can't possibly do this alone. So my hope is that if I get some foundation laid out, that we can get some contributors, either those that are developing a great package related to Shiny or a resource related to Shiny, or those that just really enjoy being part of a curating-like effort. Um, I won't lie, part of my inspiration as well is from the great work that I've been happy to participate in with the Art Weekly project. This is obviously a, a different a different spin on that related to Shiny itself. But I want to give both future Shiny users, those that have been in the trenches, so to speak, like me and, and many others that have been around from the beginning, a great place where we can kind of share these ideas more effectively. Now, I'm, I'm a geek about everything with R. I, I will scrape Twitter. I'll scrape GitHub. I'll, I'll do my searching, and that probably won't change anytime soon. But, of course, I'm getting a little older. Sometimes it, it, it takes a lot of effort to, to find all this stuff. So having one place to put all this would be a, a great win, I think, for the, for the Shiny community and, frankly, the R community as a whole. So... Well, hopefully I'll have something that I'll have maybe a set of repos set up and I'll start fleshing out my vision for this. And if you want to participate, I will definitely have ways for con contributions on all different levels. You don't have to be an expert in Shiny. You, you, you can just share ideas and, you know, a lot. There will be lots of things that we can we can work on together, hopefully. So. That was, again, well-received, I believe, and a lot of people would see some of the packages I highlighted, and, and you kind of see that aha moment of like, oh, wow, I've been wanting something like that for a long time, or gosh, I've been trying to use Shiny more at work, and these things will help me please my customers better, and lots of things like that. That's, that's why I do this stuff. I love connecting those dots. I love sharing these ideas, and don't get me wrong, I'm a builder, too. So I'm hopefully I can contribute more development work to this community and not just curation stuff. But of course, when other brilliant minds are making these things, I want to share it with the world. So that's again, hopefully that that we'll be able to make some good progress there. So that was after what I had participated in for the first two days of my experience at our studio conf, and that was the JavaScript for Shiny Users Workshop. And boy, was this a ton of fun. Challenging, but a lot of fun. And you can tell when these courses are getting off on the right foot. Um, I, I did cheat a little bit. I looked at the course website beforehand, and I could tell this was going to be awesome stuff. So I'm going to share my impressions of that course, um, but I wanted to now introduce my, my uh, second interview from the RStudio conference, where I wanted to talk to the, the lead instructor of the course itself, uh, Shiny and JavaScript Ninja, in my opinion. Very um, well-articulated, well-skilled. Um, so let's hear my chat with Garrick Aiden Bowie. 
right, welcome back everybody. We are on location at the last day of our studio conf. It's been a whirlwind, but as always, I had a wonderful time meeting familiar faces in the art community and brand new ones that I've seen on the Twitterverse and had a chance to connect with. And my first guest is one of those very people who led a very awesome workshop that we're gonna hear all about. So it is my pleasure to introduce my guest at this time, Garrick Aiden Bowie. Hi, it's great to be here, thanks. Thank you for coming on. I know it's been a whirlwind for you. Um, why don't you just start us off telling our listeners a bit about your background, how you got started with using R. Yeah, I, um, I'm a data scientist at the Moffitt Cancer Center in Tampa, Florida. Um, but I started using R in about, I think it was 2012. Um, I took an analytics course. I was in, industrial, I was in graduate school uh, for industrial engineering. Um, and I, I took a, a course on advanced analytics. And I think within the first week of the course, I realized that we were going to be doing advanced analytics, but there was going to be no coding instruction whatsoever. And I oh said, boy. well, I got to get on top of this. So I started <laughs> to teach myself R um, using Coursera courses. I think uh, Roger Peng's Coursera course had just come out. And so um, I learned base R basically just in time for uh, the tidyverse to come around and change everything. So wow. Um, yeah, but I, I really, something about the way that uh, R lets you interact with data really spoke to me and, um, and, uh, and I just kind of fell in love with the language and have been learning and using it ever since. Did you have experience in other languages before this? I, I remember, um, you know, using Python a little bit, mm -hmm. uh, doing some like basic computer science, just, you know, reading through books sort of on, on my own, on my own time. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, kind of being interested, I've always been interested in programming. I think I also uh, sort of resisted the idea of being a programmer for a long time. Mm -hmm. um, I, you know, going to, like leaving high school, I thought, I, you know, I don't want to be stuck behind a computer all day. Oh, sure. and, uh, and that's pretty much all I do now. <laughs> Wow, yeah, that's ironic, <laughs> yeah. isn't it? <laughs> yeah, but I always loved programming. I think uh, those were always the uh, the courses that I liked. I mean, we had in uh, undergrad, I had one C plus plus course that uh, uh, I I loved it, and I um, I guess as I've grown older, I, I kind of uh, you know have learned that when you have those moments of 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 passion and kind of connecting with something that you uh, enjoy and really kind of um, that speaks to you that you kind of have to follow it then. And right. uh, it took me a long time to get around to uh, <laughs> accepting that uh, I really like programming. Mm -hmm. Well, I've, I've been very fortunate. Um, my next major thing I want to talk to you about is the awesome course that you taught this past couple of days, JavaScript for Shiny users, which to me was coming at a perfect time in my shiny ladder climb of development mastery of trying to at least get close to that anyway. Um, tell us a bit how this workshop came about. Yeah, well, I, I think, first of all, you're not alone. Um, I think there are a lot of people who are, you know, who use Shiny regularly. And I think that Shiny and R Markdown are amazing tools that make it easy for people to, to do web development kinds of things mm -hmm. uh, without really knowing much about web development, you know? And that's probably the, the biggest uh, power of those, uh, of those packages. Um, right. And... 
at the same time, you know, as you get better with them, you think, well, I'd like to do something more complicated, or you start to have ideas of your own about how your apps should work or yeah. how, uh, how your web page should look. Yeah. And, um, and then, of course, the way to do that is through uh, JavaScript and mm -hmm. HTML and CSS. And so, um, so I think that you know, you're, you're not alone at all. Uh, there are a lot of people <laughs> at, that, at that point of saying, I'd like, to, uh, I'd like to now just take this a step further. And, um, I think that, I think that JavaScript, like our Markdown is amazing and, yes. and Shiny is, is, is amazing as well. And, and it's really fun to write JavaScript when you get to also integrate it with, with Shiny. I think that if you're making a web page from scratch, it's a, a totally different ballgame. <laughs> right. But if you get to just use Shiny or R Markdown to get you started and, uh, and then write some JavaScript on top of that, it's a, it's a lot of fun, actually. Yeah, I could really see it as you were setting up this workshop and how you started us with the basics of, okay, this is how HTML works. It may look ugly at first, but you're kind of building this foundation and how CSS plays a role. And then we got the JavaScript. Um, but I, me, me and many other the students in that course were just in awe of your mastery of how all this played together. Um, your mastery of the debugger and all the, the gotchas that can happen. We all just kind of wonder, how in the world did you get so darn good at this? <laughs> Thank you. I really appreciate that. You're too kind. But I, I, um, I think lots of failures, <laughs> lots of very small <laughs> failures. You know, um, Jenny Bryan's talk today about debugging or about uh, error messages and yeah. um, and debugging really. Uh, there's some wonderful tips in there that I realized through her talk that I just sort of have built into my practice, into mm -hmm. programming. Um, and one of them is uh, building small applications or small scripts. And uh, the, uh, you know, they call it the reprex or the reproducible example. Yep. Um, they're extremely powerful because it gives you a, a, a very small little window to experiment, but also to test your theories and to test how you think things would work. Mm -hmm. and, um, and so when I'm developing a Shiny app, for example, I routinely build very small little pieces of the Shiny app and then eventually compose it together yes. into something bigger. Um, so I, you know, I'm, I probably make you know several dozen app.r files throughout the day, sure. <laughs> just testing things to see how it works, and yeah. um, you know, and kind of bringing that uh, curiosity, um, but also in a very small and controlled way. I think that that's a, uh, if there's anything that I could point to and say maybe it is uh, where I have learned these things, I think that it's probably that skill more than any other. Yeah, it definitely kind of humanizes the aspect of it because to us that are not in the JavaScript world, so to speak, we don't get into the whole, the whole framework debates and all that stuff. It seems like such a foreign place, but yeah. it sounds like from your approach, it's similar to how we've learned things like Shiny or some other packages. You're yeah. going to fail sometimes. Don't be afraid of it. Learn right. from it and document to yourself or even better yet to the community yeah. of how to get around those failures, right? Yes, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and and also like having a very small uh, a small little container to in which to fail is uh, yes. is very helpful. Um, otherwise, you spend a lot of time uh, being very confused about which parts are failing and why. And if you have a lot of right. intricate interconnected pieces, right. you know it makes it much harder. Yeah. Um, yeah, but and I think that I you know two days for a workshop uh, is definitely not enough time to learn all of JavaScript or all of HTML or CSS. You know, sure. so I I tried to focus very much on uh, on, on just putting the right mental models in place mm -hmm. that when you start 
thinking about, well, where does this piece of JavaScript go? Or where does this piece yeah. of CSS go? Or what does CSS even do? And uh, what parts does, what does CSS do that JavaScript doesn't? And those, those kinds of questions. I think that um, a lot of the content that's out there is very much geared towards somebody who's going to be uh, you know, jumping into you know, full stack JavaScript kind of things. And Absolutely. So um, it was really a pleasure to be able to um, think about the you know, unique circumstances of our users mm -hmm. and people who are used to using Shiny and R Markdown, right. and then finding a way to bridge from their experiences to JavaScript and, uh, and web development things. I think that, and it's also um, amazingly cool to see um, to, it's always so cool to be able to control the computer and to be able to do something cool like you click a button and, uh, yeah. and a message appears or you know and when you've programmed it yourself you there's always that moment of uh, of uh, of aha like I made this happen oh, like yeah. look this is so cool so yep. just trying to get some of that experience into uh, into a two-day workshop you know uh, it was it was very neat to see people uh, you know and I was very pleased to, to connect with people in that way yeah, we could definitely tell how much preparation went into this. And one approach that I hope other workshop teachers do in the future, you had a package for everything. You had a great package that, of course, is available on the course site. That's good, even good as it is. But this thing has a lot of hidden gems that you may not see on the surface. One of these is like this interactive REPL, basically, that you've combined our markdown with interacting with JavaScript on the fly. Tell us about how you came about that. That is so yeah. innovative. Well, I, so there are a lot of these um, kind of websites out there, like um, like CodePen. And yeah. what they do is they let you put, uh, you get to type your HTML in one box, mm -hmm. and your CSS in another box, and your JavaScript in another thing, and then you get a little preview. And I thought that's really cool, but I don't know if the Wi-Fi is going to work <laughs> in my <laughs> workshop. Right. And, uh, and then also, I'm just a huge fan of, of RStudio. Um, and the RStudio IDE. Mm -hmm. And basically, if I can do anything to stay inside of RStudio, I'm, I'm pretty happy. Yeah. So, um, and then also definitely as a learning experience, just to kind of uh, have fun learning something, it's good to have a project. Yes. So what I did is I made a shiny app that replicates CodePen mm -hmm. that you can run inside of RStudio. Mm -hmm. And you can type in your HTML and your CSS and your JavaScript. And then in the background, it uses uh, R Markdown and Pandoc, obviously, to, uh, to render your web page and give you a little bit of a live preview. So whenever you stop typing, it'll re-render your page and then show you uh, what you're doing. So you can yeah. get, a, get that uh, feedback loop. Um, we didn't use it very much in the workshop, though, because I think that there are a lot of, there are already too many abstractions mm -hmm. um, around, uh, around web development when you're trying to do it from an R user's perspective. Sure. So um, I wanted to make sure we instead built a, a small web page inside of an index.html file. Yeah, right. Um, so, that you have, so that you have the experience of knowing where, where, where things go and how, how it works overall. Yeah. Um, I've really, you know, when I was started learning web development things, uh, CodePen was, was excellent, and it's, it's really a good way to kind of prototype and to test. Mm -hmm. But it also leaves you still feeling like, well, I'm, I'm not quite sure. Like, I, I put my HTML in this box, and I put my JavaScript over here. Yeah, but like, right. how would I actually do this on my own computer? Mm -hmm. um, so I didn't really use it very much in the workshop for that reason. But I hope that afterwards, people will, will find it and use it, and, uh, and, uh, and, it'll, and that it would let them 
you know, prototype their and get feedback quickly on their web development kinds of things. The other part of the, the package too is just to make sure that uh, everyone could install dependencies and have all of the packages loaded. And of I didn't course. have to yeah. hand out a list of packages to install. I could just say, install this one and you'll get the other ones for free. Yeah, I mean, it's something yeah. that I think in, now in this day and age, we're starting to take advantage of this more. But boy, when I was teaching workshops, this was not, this thought process was not there for me. So I'm yeah. going to emulate this in the future yeah. if I ever do anything. If there's one, one other thing about the package that I'm really um, excited about, it's that I also built an R Markdown format uh, for the, for people who are interested in learning web development yes. or learning JavaScript. And it's, uh, it's kind of neat that it uh, basically enables literate programming with JavaScript. So yeah. just like we're used to having a code chunk where you can type our code and then see the output printed in your document, mm -hmm. um, it, you can also enter JavaScript code into a JavaScript chunk and then when it's rendered to HTML and you view it in your browser, the JavaScript actually runs in your browser mm -hmm. and prints the output. So it's actually even live, but it prints the output into the document um, in the exact same way that we're used to with our Markdown yeah. uh, regular documents. And, um, and most of that is just because uh, I think that our Markdown is an incredible tool, not just for reporting and um, and for creating cool things on the internet. Right. I, you know, it's a, an excellent learning tool when you're trying to um, learn, I, basically I thought, how can you learn anything without our markdown? Yeah, right. It's so capable of so many things. And now you've just taken that to a different extension. It's, it's wonderful. Yeah. And that really also speaks to the power of our markdown that, um, yep. that, it's that it is designed to be extended as well. Mm -hmm. um, and so, but I'm, I'm really excited about that one and I hope that, uh, that you know, people can check it out and that it can be helpful to them. Yeah, well, we had conversations before this that this is a package that needs to get more attention and hopefully maybe a CRAN release. Not to put <laughs> you pressure on you, but boy, that would be awesome. <laughs> yeah. All right, all right. We'll see. <laughs> it's, it's, it's on audio now, okay. <laughs> so um, one, one I kind of the last question about that, that flow of development is for those like me before the workshop that have been new to this and maybe those that are listening that are hearing this great potential, What's some kind of advice you might have if they're going to jump into this world of interacting JavaScript with Shiny? Just some, some words of wisdom from your experience as they get started. Oh, boy. Hmm. <laughs> it's a loaded question, I know. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think, well, I think that there's definitely, there's been a gap here in terms of learning materials. Yes. Um, I think that it's very intimidating for a new, for an R user who realizes that they would like to learn some JavaScript. I think right. that it's, uh, it's pretty intimidating to just jump into everything that's going on. And I mean, JavaScript and, and web development in general changes so often. Yeah. Um, and there's so many frameworks, and it's it's unclear which ones are you need and which ones you need to learn. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I don't have much good advice. Just I, I hope that uh, you know I've created a lot of material for this workshop, yeah. um, and I intend to share it all and uh, to probably repackage it a little bit so that it's you know more useful for uh, someone who's sitting down to learn rather than um, with an instructor oh, teaching sure. it. Yeah. Um, but I, I hope that, I, I really hope that I can, I, you know, I don't want to promise too much, but I, can, <laughs> I hope that I can um, repackage it in a way that it would be helpful to shiny users uh, and people who are, you know, sending out to learn some JavaScript. 
Absolutely. Well, we'll so, be. We'll, keep, yeah, I guess jsforshiny.com would be yep. the place to go. We'll have the link to, in the show to, notes. To, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that, that was for the conference, uh, for the workshop for our studio conf, but also that's where I'll end up putting whatever comes out of this. Wonderful. Yeah, I mean, like I said, it was an awesome experience. And, you know, you, you challenged me quite a bit. And I haven't been challenged like that in a while. That's the a, last great time was with a tidy evaluation when Arlang was just beginning. And I felt that similar right, right. tension in my mind. But knowing if I can get past this hurdle, I've got a lot yeah. of potential on the other side. So it's, it was great to go through that. Although when you're debugging JavaScript and you're not good at it, you're like, what the heck is going <laughs> right. on? So. Right. <laughs> Yeah, um, so we'll, we'll keep tabs on that one for sure. Um, yeah. You've actually done a lot of all other great developments in the R community. I know you're a big fan Thanks. of the Sheringen package yeah, of slides. Yeah, I love Sheringen yep. so much. <laughs> yep, so we'll definitely put a link to your themer package. If Thanks. people haven't seen that, they should check that out too. Thanks. Um, so I know, yeah, time is precious, but if others want to follow your developments, what's the best way to get a hold of you? Yeah, probably through Twitter. Um, okay. Through My handle is at G-R-R-R-C-K. <laughs> so that's uh, G with three R's and a C-K. Yep, we'll have that in the show notes too. All right. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. And like it's I said, I really pleasure. appreciate the workshop and been great to talk shop with you about Shiny and other things too. It has, Definitely yeah. will bring a lot of that back <laughs> to my, my daily work and my, my geekiness of R2. So. <laughs> Awesome. Thank Thank you you so much. Thank you. All right. We'll be back right after this. All right. My big thanks to Garrick for joining me for that great conversation. And as you can tell, I was a big fan of that uh, awesome JavaScript for Shiny Users course. And you can see all the materials online for yourself if you like to see the great examples in action. And again, I'm just so thankful that I was able to participate in that at what is really to me a perfect time for for this and my shiny uh, development i would say so there's still a lot to unpack from this conference as you can might imagine um so what i'll take a few minutes now is to highlight some of the you might say shiny or are in production related content that i gathered from the various talks i attended um the one that you'll be hearing about quite a bit is the awesome talk by Joe Chang, who is, of course, the original creator of Shiny, for how you can style your Shiny applications using a framework called SAS, and in particular, Bootstrap 4. Now, I must mention that this this uh, SAS is not the same SAS you might hear about if you're in the same industry that I am <laughs> in terms of um, certain statistical software. Uh, this is much different. This is a way for you to simply be able, in a nutshell, to instead of having to hack away at all the different CSS files you might have for a given style framework, such as Bootstrap, which is what Shiny uses, you can construct a simple kind of wrapper version of this, and you can say to yourself, well, any element that has this particular color, just change it to a new color, and not have to hunt for all the different instances where that original color is found. So I've never tried this myself yet. I've only heard bits and pieces of this as as I start exploring more kind of web technology and development uh, workflows. But it does seem like a really nice way to quickly give your, your applications a different look. Now, of course, like any talk that Joe um, has at these conferences, he's 
always been very good at giving, you know, a great sense of humor and giving great advice. But there was a really particularly interesting moment when he had thought he was taking, I should say, he was uh, demonstrating some code on the screen. And as you might imagine, when you have a huge conference like this, not everybody can see it very well. So uh, there was some real-time feedback for it, and I'll let you know what the result was right here. Uh, but let's go a step further, and uh, let's take this gray, dark, uh, gray background and change that to uh, our studio dark blue. So um, that is called secondary. Is someone... Oh, increase the font size? I didn't know if that voice was coming from inside my head. <laughs> so thanks. <laughs> yes, mother? Right, sorry. Um, here, let me make that bigger. Well, I don't know about you, but yeah, maybe I hear voices in my head when I'm writing shiny code, although I'm not always sure it might be my mother's voice. But <laughs> sometimes it's like future me saying, that's a bad idea if you're going to put that in production if I'm taking a shortcut or something. So anyway, that was a, that was a great moment. That was a, a conference full of moments, I should say. So again, excellent talk, and the recordings are online, so I'll be sure to have a link to the full recording in the show notes. And then um, also a member of the Shiny team, Carson Sievert, who I've been a huge fan of and had a great pleasure of meeting him now at quite a few different conferences. He gave another talk on an effort that he's been working on for quite a bit alongside Joe called Shiny Meta. And I may have touched on this in a previous episode, but if you haven't heard me mention it before, uh, Shiny Meta is a way for you to give a slightly different syntax to your Shiny application in terms of how you define the reactives and outputs such that you can let the user download kind of a reproducible script that takes all the different kind of inputs or outputs that you render in the application and let them create that dynamically through normal R code. It doesn't look like some machine-generated R code, per se, like some previous efforts have done. But the goal of Shiny Meta is to give you, for instance, a R Markdown report that has code that, frankly, you would probably write yourself in a non-Shiny context. But I will just mention that when I first heard about this, um, actually it was in a workshop about it, uh, last year's R Pharma conference, it was not easy to grasp. Um, and I'm not saying it's a whole lot easier now, but I want to give credit for Carson for really putting a lot of effort into the example that he outlined in his talk and really showing in a nice visual yet practical way of what you need to change in your Shiny app to make it um, play with Shiny Meta. And he's definitely, this is not his first time talking about it, but I think it shows, and frankly, it's a great example of how you, when you're working on a new research problem and maybe you talk about it once, but then you kind of learn as you go and you refine your message and you come back with maybe an easier way to understand it or an easier way to uh, take home the key concepts. I dare say that this was easily the best way or best talk about shiny meta that the team has done. I Hopefully um, they agree too, but um, I just wanted to give that praise to Carson because it really, whether it's because I haven't heard, this is my you know third time hearing it, 
But I do think if you didn't hear about it before, that this was the best way to introduce it. And it's not an easy concept. So it's not like this is a talk that Carson and the Shining team could easily whip out in maybe a day and have everything right. This is a difficult framework. It kind of has some parallels in my mind to the whole tidy evaluation uh, paradigm from the tidyverse um, in terms of being a really powerful but yet kind of difficult concept to master. And sometimes, yeah, it takes iterating on these things a few times to really figure out the best way to best way to share that message. So, again, we'll have a link to Carson's talk on Shiny Meta in the show notes as well. And, you know, I could go on forever about all these things, but the last one I'll highlight for this episode is not necessarily specific to Shiny, but boy, it could really be helpful for it. I'm not going to pronounce his name right for sure, but... Um, Jurgly uh, Um, He's created a package called Logger. So he did a, a talk specifically about the Logger package, which, as the name might, um, might uh, lead you to believe, it's used to produce robust kind of system-like sh- log messages in R with a very uh, consistent syntax and a great framework for defining what those logs look like, kind of from a templating perspective. Um, What format do you want them produced in, whether it's straight text, maybe a JSON example, or whatever you like, and also how you want them delivered. Typically, you might show them in a console, but you might, of course, write them to a file, and you might be able to hook them into an external service. Maybe for a production workflow, you want whatever R script or shiny app you're making to send a message on perhaps Slack if something is not working right or writing it to a more robust database or even hooking into one of the Amazon web services for logging, Kinesis, I believe. Um, But either way, Girdley has done an awesome job of wrapping all these different um, kind of bells and whistles So if you want to do something more out of the box, you have the ability to do so. And I also appreciate his honesty in the talk and that he's certainly not the first one to create a logging package in R. There's actually quite a few, but he shared a link to um, his, uh, his package documentation for Logger where he does take a whole section about why yet another Logger package. You know, sometimes this is a curse of open source in the sense that there's always more than one way to do something or more often than not more more than one way of doing something. But I think he has excellent reasons for why he went with Logger. And also, I shared this package with um, some of my colleagues in the IT group I work with, and they were floored by how awesome this is. And we want to use it in a very major application right now that has both a shiny app as well as just typical models that you're running on some cloud service and you want to make sure you're keeping track of various metrics around the models, maybe runtimes, you know, key performance indicator metrics, who knows what else, but this is going to give us a unified way of doing it. And I'm really excited to put it in its paces, so to speak. But speaking of shiny, why I'm bringing this up in this segment is that logger comes with the ability to hook into your Shiny application and be able to actually log any changes to various inputs. Now, what does this mean to me? Well, you could take this in a few different directions. 
Maybe you have an application that you think has worked well for you, but you're not sure how your users are going to really end up using it and what their workflow is going to look like. So what better way to capture that than to put a hook to the logger package in your Shiny app and have these captured automatically and have them piped somewhere so that you as the app developer can take a look at these and figure out, hey, is this, right? is this the right workflow I want? Or what areas are the users spending the most time on? Or maybe you can pinpoint areas that they're having trouble. And of course, from a more of a production standpoint, this could also log key metrics or key information when the application crashes or has some cryptic error that you wouldn't be able to figure out otherwise. So I think this has tons of potential for me. And I would say anybody that's doing any serious shiny development would want to take a look at this as a way to kind of give yourself an extra bit of diagnostics, both for yourself as well as for your future uh, app users. So awesome job with this package. Um, I, I'll have a link to the package documentation and of course a link to Jurgly's uh, talk as well. So, like I said, there is a ton of stuff we can talk about, um, and, th and this conference had a lot, a lot of excellent talks regarding our markdown and the various ways you can use it, and awesome new workflows that you can do with our markdown, and I don't want to make this episode too much longer, but I think I have enough content on that alone for the next episode to kind of take a deeper dive into those things that I learned and perhaps even have a special guest that might share some of their insights as well. So fingers crossed that pans out. So, um, but w before we close out the show, I got a couple of things I'll, I'll mention here. The first of which is that I'm happy to announce that we have finally received some listener feedback. So let's dive into that. Message for you, son. So my first piece of feedback I want to highlight comes from Ricardo, who emailed me at drcast.gmail.com. And he had a very awesome message. Um, if you recall in my last episode, I wanted to get um, the audience feedback on the big move of our studio becoming a B Corporation. And Ricardo took me up on that. He did a really nice message. It's probably too long to summarize here, but I want to highlight a few key points. He, in short, agreed with me that this is a, a hopefully a very beneficial move to um, our studio themselves. And he had a, a nice insight here in terms of the general concept. He says, personally, I think it's become painfully obvious that the role of businesses need to evolve because the needs we have out of those businesses has evolved as a society. And I think that's in the case of, say, open source software, I think that really rings true in that we want to make sure that when we're investing in a pipeline or a set of tools, that we can be confident that they're not going to be, you know, ripped out from underneath us because if it's a traditional corporation that has shareholders, maybe for whatever reason they figure that it's not financially viable to keep an existing workflow and they end up taking away certain features. Well, let's hope that, you know, with our studio becoming a B corporation now, as I mentioned in the last episode, it's not just about shareholders anymore. It's about stakeholders. It's about that investment and keeping good goodwill with the community and that we have a, 
almost a legal say in that. So there's a lot more that he touched into. But another point he mentioned is that the way he learned about big corporations was not that ideal. Um, He had apparently um, took a course in his university studies that did not exactly put it in a very um, easy way to understand or at least a more more fun way to understand. It sounds like it was quite a chore to get through it. But what that tells me is that sometimes when you're learning about these concepts in, in school, it really, the messaging is everything, right? Um, I can relate to this on a probably much different way, is that my first real programming course was in my undergraduate studies, and it was for Java. Whether it was Java itself or more likely the professor that was teaching me it, this was an absolute nightmare of a course to get through. And I think I'm pretty smart with these things, but that course was terrible, and it almost made me not want to program ever again <laughs> after that. So luckily, I've had better experiences since, but that um, that's another point where sometimes the way these concepts are taught to you the first time, even if it's not ideal, hopefully you find better ways of learning it. And Ricardo did say that what JJ shared in his talk is kind of like the way he wished he had learned about B corporations. And I'm lucky that was the first time I learned about B corporations. So it really made a lot of sense. And I really um, could understand JJ's motivations. He laid it out so nicely. But um, Ricardo's also been busy working on some great tutorials online, I believe based with the Learn R package of applying tidyverse concepts to cryptocurrency data. It's really cool stuff. I had a chance to check it out um, a little bit uh, earlier. So I'll put a link to some of those tutorials in the notes if you want to explore that yourself. So Ricardo, again, thanks for the awesome message, the great feedback, um, and thank you again for listening. And then the last um, listener feedback I'll touch on is from Richard, who sent me a note on Twitter. My Twitter handle is at the RCast if you want to get in touch with me. Um, He was looking for some good tutorials on using what's called the server package, that's spelled S-E-R-V-R, for real-time previewing of our markdown documents. And I'd forgotten, I mentioned this in a previous episode, so I'm thanking him for reminding me. But um, in terms of how I use this in today's practice, I'm actually taking perhaps a bit of an easy way out um, but if you, if you haven't heard of this, um, Iwai Sia, of course, the author of All Things Are Markdown, basically, um, he's included a great function in his Sherrigan package called Infinite Moon Reader. And what's cool about this is that this is a function that kind of wraps the server package for giving you a real-time preview of your Sherrigan slides as you're editing the R Markdown source file. But here's the funny thing about this. That doesn't just work with Sherrigan. That works with any R Markdown live previewing. In fact, uh, Blogdown also um, utilizes a similar thing too with their live preview functionality. So I'm wondering, um, Richard, maybe you could try Sherrigan's Infinite Moon Reader um, a try and see if that just kind of works for you out of the box with your blog or your R Markdown workflow that you're working with. Um, But if you find that that's not helpful, let me know and we can look at other ideas too. And perhaps in the next episode, we'll touch on a lot of this stuff as I 
again, take a more deeper dive into the present state of our markdown. And on one little bit of housekeeping before we close up shop here is that if you enjoyed my, you know, what JJ had talked about at the RStudio keynote, well, guess what? He had an awesome interview with the Not So Standard Deviations hosts of Hillary Parker and Roger Peng in their episode 101. So that's a great follow-up um, to the whole um, talk about B corporations because they dive deeper into some of the concepts that JJ alluded to in the keynote. So definitely download that episode and check it out if you haven't already. And another cool thing that I was personally a part of was I was interviewed on another podcast. This has been, not sure if I've ever been interviewed on a podcast before, but um, a, a really talented software developer who runs his own business named Michael Dominic. Um, for those of you who've been following some of the things I follow, he was a, a host of a show called Coda Radio from Jupiter Broadcasting. And then that, that show recently ended, but he started his own show uh, shortly thereafter. Well, he um, was looking for guests to talk about not just the traditional software development concepts, maybe some other areas that maybe software development's applied to or just to explore new ideas. And so I took him up on that and wondered if he wanted to talk about data science with R. And he took me up on that. So if you want to hear me give a short kind of introduction about R itself to that kind of audience, um, you'll want to check out Michael's show. It's episode eight, and we'll have a link to it directly in the show notes. But it was a lot of fun. And hopefully if he wants to have me on again and talk more data science and more stuff of R, I'd be glad to be back on that. So I think that will wrap up episode 33 of the R podcast. As I mentioned, I plan on taking a deeper dive into our Markdown-related nuggets from our Studio Conf, and like I said, maybe of a great interview as well. If any of you want to get in touch with me, the best way, you have a lot of ways of doing that. Um, the first one, that uh, probably the easiest, is to go on my R podcast site with the contact page at r-podcast.org slash contact. And you can also get in touch with me at the aforementioned Gmail address at drcast at gmail.com. And we also have a con uh, comment form on the episode post directly at r-podcast.org slash 33. But yeah, please keep the feedback coming. So that's going to do it for episode 33. And until next time. End of line.